Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 537. And I'm joined this week by Phil Barantini. And by God, are you going to hear a man enjoying a conversation here? I get to have a proper nerd out with Phil. Phil is a friend. I love Phil dearly, but I'm also a big fan of his work. He did a film called Boiling Point. He did a series called, called Boiling Point. I love them both. He did a film called Accused with my boy, Jay Johnson. We talk about all of that, but we talk about filmmaking and careers. Phil was in in Band of Brothers and he had an amazing acting career, but it maybe didn't go how he wanted and certain things got in his way, certain struggles of his own got in his way. He got in his own way, maybe. He's had a hell of a journey. And yeah, it's it's a really good conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy this. Not going to ramble on too much more, obviously, because Boiling Point was a one shot and a lot of you will know I'm obsessed with one shots. I've shot numerous one-shot music videos so if you've not seen them check out the music video for interdiction check out the music video for stunner check out the music video for no whimpers check out the music video for hungry by a bank or war and peace i directed that so yeah i'm obsessed with pulling off a good one shot so this was obviously a dream a dream conversation for me as well but yeah, we're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's where you can get all my merch. Twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio. If you listen to this on the Wednesday, tomorrow night, October 26th, I'm doing a watch along of the horror movie host. It's my Halloween special. There'll be loads of good stuff going on. Starts at 7.30. It's completely free to watch. I'll be there. It'd be lovely to see you lot there. Um, and you can support at patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip. Yeah, let's get on with the podcast. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 537 with Philip Barantini. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. And we're off to the races, mate. I'm joined today by F- Philip Barantini. How are you, sir? I am very well, mate. Very well today. Yeah, I love it. I'm delighted that we're getting to have a catch up, even if it's on a even if it's on a podcast. I know. Um, how's it all been going? How's all the the, the promo been going? It must be mad, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it all, but yeah, it seems to be a lot and. You've had a lot in the last year or two, like all at the same time. So, yeah. so malpractice is getting nominated for all these awards. Yeah. Boiling points about to come out. Accused has just just come out. So, it's one of those weird things, right? Of years of work, yeah. and everything seems to be kind of happening at once. Yeah, you can never you never plan it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I had my own way, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't have come out like that. You know what I mean? It, it kind of yeah. makes it look like I'm being quite uh, narcissistic and a bit egotistical, and go, let's <laughs> just throw everything out together. You know? But here's all my stuff. Here's all my stuff. <laughs> yeah. But now it's, it's it's mad how it just all sort of comes together like that. Um, it's all about timing, isn't it? I suppose, and you know, it's kind of it's out of your hands once you you know like the Netflix thing, you can't decide when it's going to come out for, for yeah. accused or the BBC. You can't say, oh, I want it to come out, you know, later than that, or whatever it's, it's out of your yeah. hands. So, but it's all coincidental really. But yeah, mad, absolutely mad, mad, you know, the, you know, yeah, malpractice came out earlier this year and was really well received, like mad, yeah. mad you know what I mean? And then, I mean, we'll yeah. get into that more because I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Nave Algar is just oh. 
She's one of the greats. Yeah. If you, a two-time guest on here, I'm just... As soon Is as she? I saw her in Calm With Horses, oh, yeah. I was just like... Well, or, or, or maybe it was in, in Virtues... F- First, whichever whichever one of them was first, I was like, "Who is this, and why haven't I been watching them for a decade?" Because yeah. it seemed like she came out of nowhere and was just at such a level, and then everything since since her malpractice, the Ridley Scott one that I was, I, I loved. Yeah, she's yeah. just a beast. Yeah, she's amazing, and she really throws herself into every part. You know what I mean? She really goes to town mm. on it. I mean, she she probably won't mind me saying this, but there was there's a point when we were doing malpractice, and there's a scene. I think it's in the last episode, and she has to like she she's basically now in the hospital bed, and she's um you know she's she's sort of uh, overdosed, being like in in episode five, the end of episode five. Anyway, she says so. I was like, oh, you just you just need to lie in the bed and just let the people around you do it. You know, you're basically out cold, and um, they'll put like you know do the thing. Someone's going to put a candle in, and she's like, oh mate, 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 mate. We've got like all the proper nurse consultants and the doctor consultant and all the proper equipment here. Why don't they just actually put the actual cannula into my arm? I was like, Neve, no, no, we can't do that. We can't put an actual cannula oh, in your arm. Oh, and we don't need to do and, that. And we certainly don't no, need no, to do, do that. It. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she, do she really does go like, you know, full in and, and I respect that massively. Yeah, she's brilliant. I've talked to her. I've had a note for ages to do a special episode called The Show Must Go On and it's because mm. of talking to Neve and to Rosie Marcel mm. privately about how this is a mad industry. And again, I want to talk about our mutual friend, Mr. Stephen Graham, but he's a great example as well, is we watch these performances on screen and we go, wicked, that's amazing. How do they do that? And it's like, they do that by putting themselves in really heavy places and it can be a really mentally straining work. I know me and Neve, and I said, me and Rosie have spoken when there's been periods where they love their job, adore the projects, but... It's been fucking hard for their yeah. mental health. So yeah. I guess, I mean, leaning on that now, how do you balance that as a director? Because, you know, you come from acting, so you, yeah. you've got experience of both sides. Like, how do you you balance that? It jumps out that you said to me, we don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Because because you know that it's like, like you, you, yeah. you can be there rather than going, yeah, yeah that yeah, sounds yeah, fucking yeah. great. Let's do it. You're going, you know, it feels like you're going, I'll push you to where you need to be pushed, but I'm, we're not going to go past it. Yeah. We're going to... Look after the the human as well. Absolutely, as the it's the most important thing I think for a director yeah. to be able to you know direct and and navigate each actor individually because every actor is different. As you know, everyone has their own process and their own way of working, and there's no there's no rules in this game. So mm. me, for for me as a director, it's primarily my job to understand the person on a on a deep deep level, <clears throat> and that just comes with mm. talking to them and and you know hanging out with them and. And really sort of go into those places, you know, that can be uncomfortable at times because you have to know the person on a deep level, like I say, and, and you know, and I, and, and I, and I have to be, become vulnerable myself, which, you mm. know, is, is not easy at times, but you have to sort of go to that level sometimes and, 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 you know, cry with each other, laugh with each other, just be in each other's pockets as much as possible. And it's not always the case that you get that much time with someone because uh, there's a lot of pressure on shows for to have time so you have to sort of do that in your own time and sometimes actors are busy on other shows or on other other movies or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing you know in their private lives so it's finding that time is difficult sometimes but it's integral to to sort of get to know the person but it, but so then when you do get on set i don't want to say it's easy but it's not as stressful because i know them so much that i can just say a word and just be like uh no Neve, we're not going to do that are we we're not going to do that mm. um mm. and they'd be like yeah no you're right yeah but actors 
rightly so, are constantly and you you need to you need to let actors be able to have their own minds and their own sort of you know ideas about certain scenes and certain character traits and things like that. It's always got to be a collaboration, but ultimately, like like there's certain things that actors will do, and I'll be like, we'll never see that. So you know, mm. don't go there because it will be a waste, and you'll never yeah. we'll, we'll never see it. So it's my job to sort of help the actors to understand when when to go there and when not to go there. You know what I mean? Because you know, yeah. if an actor's putting everything, everything, everything into into a character. And it's not showing on screen because they're just, you know, they're sort of uh, a little bit lost, if that makes sense. I mean, look, the whole method acting thing, I think it can be a very dangerous technique at times mm. because, you know, I've never studied it intensely, but I, I know the sort of foundations is like to literally become that character and go out and do, you know, to, to a certain degree, you have to sort of research and do that type of thing. But, you know, if you're playing a homeless person, you don't want to go out and re- do your research, but don't put yourself out there in danger and, and, and stuff, not just physically, but mentally as well. Yeah, Cause, of course. you know, you've got to look after yourself. And I have to look after the, the actor, not the actor, but the human. I have to look after the person. It's a beautiful thing. And I think it's something I've learned since moving into the world of film and TV mm. is realizing why you have these people who you like, oh, they always work together or they're all, yeah. they come in projects together all the time. It's like you realize it is about those relationships and yeah. it can be an appreciation of their ability, but also an awareness that this is someone I can work with and I can communicate with yeah. and make sure we get the most of. And now mm. I'm not going to kind of go into how we met in too much detail mm. just because. I recorded with Stephen Ogg a couple of days ago, oh, our mutual friend, and we had a great chat about that weekend away yeah, and all of yeah. this. But hearing you say all that, it just makes me a buzzing for some point down the line in five years or ten years when we work together because oh, we have cried years. together. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Have, yeah, we have cried together. We have laughed together. It's all that yeah, stuff man. that you have those experiences where you go, right, this was, this was for the experience. Mm. And then you realise, oh, this actually informs me for so much other stuff Absolutely. going forward. And me and Steve talked about a load of this kind of off-podcast of mm. how mad it is to the fact that, particularly with Steve, that's the only time I've ever met the dude. We had two days of meeting each other, mm. yet because we can continue communicating and continue, I can be consuming more of his work yeah. and finding out more of him as an artist as well as a person. You've got this thing that's just ongoing yeah. it's yeah it's fucking adorable. it's amazing like because like what you said there that weekend the way that we had and it was just so powerful because you allow yourself to be vulnerable and i think mm. actors struggle with that at times you know what i mean because because mm-hmm. you are putting yourself out there particularly off offset offset like yeah, the yeah, amount yeah, of times yeah, i've yeah. seen actors and there's that need to try and prove yourself absolutely yeah they're talking about what they've done or who they've worked with and that comes up yeah, like, yeah that comes yeah. up in my conversations all the time but you can tell when it is from that place of kind of insecurity yeah. to kind of go no i'm legit yeah I'm, I'm i'm proper and that can be the only interaction that many people in this industry have yeah it's like you're trying to walk away going i held my own there yeah rather than you know there was a connection. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's it's such a difficult industry. It's not for the faint-hearted, you know what I mean? I, I, I've, mm. I've said this many times. I've done some workshops in the past with actors where I um, come in and sort of, we do some scenes and I, you know, we do some improv stuff together and then and then I sort of sit and talk to them about my experience in the industry and whatnot. And, and I've had actors come up to me and go, 
you know, actors in the 50s or like later on in, in life, you know, they've had yeah. a full life and full career. And he said, I've wanted to do this for so many years. I did it when I was younger. And now I'm back. I'm going to do it again. And, and I'm ready for it this time. And I'm ready and I'm going to, I'm going to smash it. So I've quit my job. I've done everything. I've, you know, I've, and I'm like, no, don't, don't do that. Because, mm. you know, yes, that passion is absolutely, you know, you've got to have that passion, but ultimately you've got to be prepared for the knockbacks and, and the, the no's and, and, you know, a lot of rejection. And so, mm. you know, have it there alongside your life and still, you can still be that passionate about it, but you still need yeah. to, you can't just go, I'm now going to be a star. And also the, the, the mentality for some people is in the wrong place, the, the motivation for what, why they want to do this. You, mm-hmm. Like you want to be famous. I want to be on TV. I ask people like, why do you want to get into acting? Because I want to be on telly. Well, why do you want to be on telly? Because you want to be famous and you want to, yeah. you want to make loads of money. Well, you know, go and be on reality show or something like that because yeah, yeah. Because ultimately the motivation is in the wrong place. Yeah, know? completely. I love hearing this. Me and a rapper of, a rapper who's one of my, my best friends now, B Dolan, mm. have always talked about, there was particularly a time in the indie rap scene where it was very cool to say, quit your job and go 100% into this business and into this industry and whatever mm. else. And that's such a blindsided thing. And I've always been really careful with my story because my story was I quit my job in HMV and kind of lived in my van for mm. a year to get into music and make it work. But And you did? Whilst I do- yeah, I did. But whilst I don't come from privilege, I did have a mum who had a bedroom for me. Yes. So I had these things that I can fall, fall fall back on. And if you've not got that, say you've got a kid to support or you've got a family or you've got anything else. Right. It's not a viable thing and it's not healthy for your idols to be going, mm. if you really want it, go all in. Because yeah, yeah, as I said, yeah. I had a lot of luck in there as well. And I talk about this all the time. This podcast is what has allowed me to remain in this acting industry and to continue there. Yeah. Partly... F- financially but partly mentally yeah yeah having yeah. something to focus on having these conversations rather than waiting to hear back from self tapes or or waiting to get to get a, a, a fucking self tape yeah and this leads nicely on because one of the biggest again probably the biggest thing that has kept me in this industry was the podcast i did with Stephen graham mm. just after i met stevie on my third acting gig what was that um Taboo. On Taboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would exchange some messages back and forth in the past. I mm. met him in the street once and he came up to me because he had my album. And I was like, "Wow, love me that. and my mate had been going, Stephen Graham's coming up the street, play it cool. And he walked past and then he came back to say, oh, fuck. Um, love that. But in, in that podcast interview, he talked about how after This Is England, he didn't book a gig for 18 m- months. And Sophia Patella had a similar story. And they were two of the biggest influences on my mental space when you have those periods. Because mm. again, you do. Like after I had my biggest acting gig on this NBC show, it was at least 18 months until I booked another gig. Yeah. But I can sit there going, well, Stephen Graham's not sh- shit. So he didn't not book for 18 months because he's shit. Therefore, I can tell myself it's not because I'm shit that no one's coming for yeah. me. It's just how the industry is sometimes. But I want to talk about you, how you and Stephen met. Because I've not... Yeah. heard the story. I've always guessed it was on Band of Brothers because that's where you like you, you were both in that. But yeah. I've never yeah. actually asked Steve if you or heard it. So tell me a bit about about how you and Stephen met. Well, it was it was yeah, it was exactly that. It was on Band of Brothers, but but I'd, I've known of sort of him, you know, as a scouser uh, uh, in yeah. the industry. I knew I knew he was sort of in the industry and whatnot. So I'd heard of him, and 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 then when we were doing Band of Brothers, I remember the first day on set 
we all sort of like got together and all the cast were like, they'd all done a boot camp together uh, mm. for 10 days and I hadn't because I was working on another show uh, called Dream Team and I was finishing up on that. Mate, just quickly, we, 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 we're going to get into that, but that's what I love about this podcast, right? So <laughs> I was going to do one with, with Jacob Tamuri, who's a mate, who's right. Tom Hardy's stuntman. Yeah. And when I was researching that, I saw that he was in The Tribe which blew oh, my mind. Wow. Do you remember the tribe, yeah, the kids show? Like, yeah, he's this stuntman, yeah. but he was he was in that. Never mentions it because he's moved on. I loved Dream Team back in the day. And it was only when I was researching yesterday that I was like, fuck me, you were in Dream Team. <laughs> this is amazing. So we'll get into that yeah, as well. Man, yeah. But, but yeah, so you were off doing that when you booked Band of Brothers. Yeah, I, I, so I was I was doing that, booked Band of Brothers, and then, and then I, I turned up on the first, like I think it was a couple of days before we started shooting or something like to get costume fittings and all that. And Steve was there. And I remember Lockstock was a massive, it was a huge, you know, you, as you know, it was, it was a huge success mm. film. And he came on set and he was like, I've just finished, I've just wrapped on uh, on Snatch, this movie called Snatch, the next Guy Ritchie film. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Thinking it was just going to be like another little indie, you know, like another Guy Ritchie film. I was like, oh, he's in it. He's like, oh yeah, this is from Brad Pitt and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Fucking hell, mate! And yeah. so, and then, and then we, you know, <laughs> yeah. we were we were the only two scousers on the on this this massive HBO mini series. You know what I mean? And so mm. we sort of connected in that way, really. And we just we, we became mates, and we used to hang out. We all used to hang out together. You know what I mean? And and then Steve left the show early because I did I did the full stint. I did I was in like till the end, but I think his character left like after episode three or four or whatever. So mm. I remember him leaving and that. And he was living in London at the time and we stayed in touch back and forth. And we go for coffees now and again. And then we sort of lost touch because he was off doing his thing. He, he, oh no, that was it. I remember one time he messaged me. He called me up and I, I've said this to him before as well. And I remember where I was. I was in, I was about to go into an audition in Spotlight and I'm on the phone to him and he's like, oh, I've got this thing that I'm, uh, this amazing story that's happening in this script. It's not properly written yet. And we're doing, we're going to do workshops with this, with this new director called Shane Meadows. And it's all about skinheads in the eighties. He said, you'd be perfect for it. And I'm doing, I'm doing that. So let me have a word and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Sam. Uh Next minute. You know what I mean? It's like, this is England. And I was like, oh fuck. But that would have been insane. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look, I mean, it it wasn't, it it wasn't saying I'll get your part in it. I've got a mate who's just trying to, get into the industry at the moment mm. and the main bit of advice I've given her is after these meetings g- go well don't be ashamed to follow up because I've yeah. definitely had that because it's like I'm not gonna if in that moment Stevie would have of course meant that thought you're perfect for it but he's got a lot to deal with himself it's not necessarily going to be a, a priori and I've definitely had that in the past where I've had mates say oh yeah we'll get you in this and I've sat quietly yeah and they've had a million other things to think about. Yeah. And what I should have done is given a little polite nudge and again, gone, hey man, how's that project going? Yeah. Is there anything? And not be ashamed Yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah. go, I'd really love to work on this. I'm excited. <laughs> you know, which no, again, yeah. I think there's a working class thing there that you don't want to feel totally. like you're tapping anyone up for favours or you're getting any, like, a leg up that you shouldn't have. Yeah. And you need to shed that and not be embarrassed to go, What's going on with that? Yeah, and again, I've missed numerous things because of not doing that in the past. Because you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's not. It's not like they're going. Uh, you know, as soon as you, oh, we'll get you in that, and then walk away and go, oh, no, there's no chance. It's like yeah. it's 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 a million other million things other things going on, and it's like oh shit, yeah. So yeah, definitely always follow up. Always yeah. follow up. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's how we met. And um, and then and then actually, like jumping forward, we um, we sort of lost touch a bit because he was obviously off doing his thing, and I and I was obviously following his success. I'm very very proud. And we we got we got back in touch again because my mum had passed away seven years ago now, and for some reason I just got in touch with him, and you know I I'd, I'd been sober a year, been sober eight years now, but but like some something just sort of. For some reason we got in touch and, and we ended up becoming really close, you know, because, you know, Stevie, he's just, he is just a beautiful human being. And so, you know, I felt like I could talk to him a bit because, you know, you're talking to your family about the loss of your mum and all that and everyone's in at the same time. But, and I didn't really have anyone else I could sort of speak to about it. And I, th- I, f- I felt like Stevie was someone who I could, I could really sort of open up to a little bit, you know. He's got that air about him, not to make this the Stephen Graham appreciation podcast (laughs) which it regularly is but the reason I came on that weekend was he reached out out the blue Mm. and was just like how you doing and I was in a bad way and it was I felt comfortable saying you know what actually I'm not doing good mate Mm. kind of thing Mm. and he was instantly I'm arranging this thing come along and again that just yeah it speaks of who he is but yeah yeah so you kept in touch and then I guess a boiling point well came about yeah it was more uh, so I decided I wanted well after my mum passed away I was like I want to pursue this career as a director I want to try it you know what I mean mm-hmm. and and I I got this script uh this beautiful short uh film 10 pages long about a young boxer who was suffering with uh mental health mm-hmm. and and so I spoke to Robbie who who wrote it and who played the lead in it and at first he was like but you've never directed anything before and I was like I know but this is I, I would love to start it with this film if we could, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I think six months went by and then he ended up saying, okay, let's do it, you know. And then we, we got it made. But I, one of the first things I wanted to do, I, I called Stevie up and I was like, I want you to play the, I'd love you to play the boxing trainer. And it's only like a couple of scenes, it's a tiny little thing. It'll be like half a day's work. And he was just like, he said uh, something along the lines of, why don't we see how you get on with this film? Uh, and then we'll, we'll 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 have a chat if you want to do any more, or you know we can see. Let's see how you get on. Let's see. see I love it. And and you know, at the time I was like a bit gutted because I thought, oh, he's me, he's me, he's me mate. He's gonna come in me film, isn't he? But he's yeah. not. He's he's Stephen Graham, and he's not gonna just yeah, put himself yeah, yeah, in anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. So it was it was a case of just being like, okay. So we made the film, and, and we ended up getting a real boxing trainer in, in the end, and it was it yeah. was brilliant, and I really enjoyed the process and that was I was like this is exactly what I want to do now it was sort of the thing and so I um sent Steve the the short and he just got in touch he was like mate this is beautiful he said so what are you going to do next you want to do more I said well I know I need to get an agent to to enable me to be able to do this professionally I know that because I can't just do it off my own back I know I need to get an agent because I've been in the industry for 20 odd years I knew the ins and outs and I knew how it all worked you know what I mean so so then he was like, okay, what are, what are you thinking next? So I'd had the idea to do Boiling Point because I'd worked in kitchens for 12 years while I was still trying to, you know, my acting career went up down the down the pan a little bit because of my uh, addictions and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff and the sort of dark hole that I was in. But So I needed to make some money anyway. That world was like <laughs> mad. And I just thought mm. this ne- it's never really been documented properly, in my opinion, the, what I've experienced, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's been other movies and things like that in the past where it's been quite glorified. The high end version, that, that, of it. exactly that. Right. Yeah, the very yeah. shiny look at this artistry rather than look at the pressure. Exactly. And like, and like, <laughs> I worked in a Pizza Hut kitchen, so I'm not talking <laughs> a, a, a big time kitchen. But even that, it was like it's this constant turnover. Yeah. To be doing everything. Yeah. And keep this standard, the slightest dr- drop in standard, and the general public are down your throat. 
on your case and it's like not realising that in that job, I'm on minimum wage. Yeah. I'm head of the kitchen, so I'm running all of it. And that was when I was like 18 or 19. Yeah. It was it was mad. Yeah. It was it was the the genuine again, the lucky thing for me was it was somewhere like Pizza Hut. So when I clocked off, I clocked off. Mm, mm, it wasn't somewhere that was my restaurant or my passion yeah. or my career even. Yeah. But those hours I was there yeah. were fucking heart racing. Yeah. Heat l- literally through the roof and yeah. yeah. Orders flying through. So it's, it's it's intense. It's like nothing else, you know what I mean? I always say to people, like, do a day, do a shift in the kitchen and you'll, you'll, you know, mm. it'll make you think about you'll be humbled. You'll be humbled, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. But yeah, so so I just, you know, I pitched them the idea for this short about a chef who's struggling mm. with with his addictions and told them that we'd like to sort of try and shoot it all in a one because it, you know it keeps that it will keep the focus on this person and you won't be able to take the your eyes off them and, he, and I sort of pitched it to him loosely pitched it to him thinking I, I, I'd love to ask him again to be in it to play the lead and in the back of mm. my mind I'm like I, he would be my number one choice but I'd been been burnt a little bit by by his response to the first shot so yeah. I was a bit nervous you know what I mean so I didn't really say to him and then after the pitch, not, it wasn't even a pitch. I wouldn't go in there going, right, let me pitch you this. It was more like, he, he asked me, what, what do you want to do next? And I said, well, this is this thing I've got an idea for and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, mate, so you're, you must, you're going to play the character, right? I was like, not really. No, I, I just want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do both. I want to, I want to get someone in who can do that. And I'll sort of focus on the directing side of it. And he was like, um, well, when are you looking to do it? I said, well, whenever we get that person on board, you know what I mean? And in mind, I'm going, come on, please, please say so, please. And then in the back of my mind, I'm going, just ask him now, ask him now, just ask him now, now's the right time. And before I was I, I was going to ask him, he just said to me, right, well, I'm, I'll be, I'm, I think I'm free in December if you, if you'd have me. I'd love to do it. I was like, oh my God. Really? Would you mm. would you want to do it? And so we scrambled to get the script written and just got and this was like I think it was October when we when I sort of was on the phone to him. And then we just got it ready and, and got it made, you know what I mean? Because as soon as he's on board, that was it. It was easy to sort of get the money together. It was I think it was ten grand we made it for or something like that. But and no one, you know, that all went on the equipment and the, the hire of the catering college that we used. But yeah, and, and from then you know, he sort of he was so on board with with me and and then the whole agent thing me getting an agent he um i remember on the last day of this of the shoot we 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 filmed it on the sunday we we rehearsed it on the friday saturday and then we shot it on the sunday in manchester and uh and he he was like right let's get you that agent then and so mm-hmm. I, and i didn't think anything of it because i just thought oh he's he, you know i probably have to call him up in six months and be like did you manage to maybe send it out and I was prepared to send it out to agents myself anyway and I and I, and I think it was probably we the film we'd, we'd finished the film all the sound design everything was done maybe it took a good couple of months or whatever I sent him the film he loved it and then within about a week I had a phone call from from an agent to independent Jago Irwin who's still my agent now called me up and went I've just been sent this movie I hope you don't mind I've been sent you a short film and I think it's one of the best shorts I've ever seen. And would you be interested in coming in and having a chat about representation? And I was like, oh my God. And so, so that's, I got my agent, you know what I mean? Off the back of that. And thanks, thanks to Steve. I I love it. And this is the point where I'm going to try and rein in my excitement, but I want to talk to you about one shots and the art of the one shot. I'm a huge fan of them. Like three or four of the music videos I've directed have been Mm. one shots. And because of that, I've like hosted 
the one-shot short film awards in the past at the Prince Charles Cinema and right. all that. I just think there's such an exciting thing. So, like, Russian Ark is insane. Yeah, yeah. Victoria, I think, is one of the, the best films ever made. Me too. So let's get into it. Yeah, what, yeah, what is it about one-shots that you enjoy? And what is it that made you feel it worked right for this, I guess? Because, again, to be clear to anyone who doesn't know, the, the short was a one-shot. Mm. And then that became a film that was a one shot. Mm-hmm, That's this mm-hmm. huge ballet of a of a movie. What is it about that format? I think like with the short, I had said to my cinematographer Matt Matt Lewis, who's been my cinematographer and everything I've done. Mm. I, I was I remember being in in Lithuania in a hotel. I was doing an acting gig in Lithuania, and um, I'd written down we we were sort of writing the script or whatever, and uh, <clears throat> I said to Matt, you know. It needs to feel real. It needs to feel fast-paced, visceral, overlapping dialogue, you know, constant, like, but keeping the focus on on Stephen, you know what I mean? And he was just like, why don't we just do it all in one? And I was like, oh, my God. And then as soon as he said it, it's just, my head just went boom. And I was like, I visualized the whole thing. I mm. mapped it all out in mm. my head. And it was like, okay. And I, But one of the things I didn't want it to be is is a gimmick. You know what I mean? And I was like, well, look, we, if we're going to do it, we need to do it and make it, you know, not feel like we're trying to be clever. Mm. Um, it has to add There'd to it. a reason for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It has, it has to add to the process and the story and and everything and not be the main focus. And, and, mm. and the, the, the trick was to... You know, obviously it's advertised as a one and stuff like that. But you know, you, the trick is to to make the audience forget that after the first five minutes and and yeah. just be on this this roller coaster. You know, and so so we did it with the short, and it was it was you know it was a success. And and, and so when we sort of were talking about doing a feature length version of Boiling Point, one of the first ideas was to actually have the short as the opening of the feature. So twenty minutes, the first twenty minutes would be a one. Mm-hmm. And then we cut and then we go into the sort of recovery of Andy and him trying to get himself back on track, et cetera, et cetera. But the more we were re- like going through it and trying to develop that, it was like, oh, it's just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like mm-hmm. what we felt when we were doing the short. And then one day I was just sat up in bed. I think I was, I was shooting Villain, my, my uh, first feature. And I sat up and I just was like, I remember I'd worked in a one of my good mates, Andy Jones. He's got a restaurant in um, Dalston called Jones and Sons, which is where we shot the movie. And I was just like, I used to, I'd worked there loads and loads of times. Like I'd worked there as a chef. So I knew the place inside out. And I was like, if we were to do the feature and wanted, if we could do it there in that restaurant, then we, I was clo- I closed my eyes and I was like mapping it out and going, we could do this and then that. And we could go out the back and then, and it would all, it would all work. It Logistically, it would work. So I called James, the right, the co-writer, and I was like, "This is, I've got this idea, blah blah blah." And he got excited. And then Matt, mm. I called Matt Lewis. Then Matt got excited because he's so ambitious and so like driven. You know what I mean? I was like, "Do you think you could do it?" He's like, "Fucking right, yeah, could yeah." And he's he's young, you know what I mean? So he's fit yeah, and, yeah. and young, and he's he's ready to go. And Again, then he's another one that Stevie has spoken highly of because he's like, "The lad's just up for it. The lad's got all is. the skill and talent, but he's also just fucking up for he's it, and that makes so up for a it. difference." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then obviously I had to call Stevie and be like, "Listen, we're do, we're thinking about doing the feature." He's like, "Why would you want to do that? You got your agent now, haven't you?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, I just think it could be really cool and like you know." Yeah, I think we, I think it would be would be great. And he and he was like, right. I said, then we're going to try and do it all in one. And he just immediately was like, well, the fucking short was an absolute buzz. So to do it, yeah. and he got nervous, he got excited, and that was the feeling that everyone was getting about doing it in one shot. And you know, when you just know it's right, the right thing to do mm. when when everyone's having the same reaction to it. 
And so we went into it again with that same sort of um, feeling that we didn't want this to be a gimmick and because we're going to be longer now. And Victoria was, was, the, was the one thing that made me go, this can be done. It can yeah. 100% be done. Russian Ark was another one, obviously, but Victoria was the one for me because it's like... I completely agree because Russian Ark is one that I referenced, but I'm like, it is a chore in places. Yes. Yeah. It, whereas Victoria, you just got that energy. It's oh. the energy of a night out. And when she does that performance on the piano, oh my God. you're just like, this, number one, I'm not thinking of a one-shot anymore, but number two, exactly. I'm not thinking this is a film anymore. Exactly. I'm just in this and it's just so, yeah. I would just I remember the the fact that I held my breath for the majority of that film and I just remember yeah. the feeling that it gave me. Yeah. And that was what we wanted to recreate in this in this kitchen environment, you know what I mean? And so so we went at it with like, you know, the idea of choreographing it and and we went to town with it and we went we ended up getting the restaurant. My mate Andy was like, "Yeah, of course you can have the restaurant." So we paid him to sort of shut it down for three weeks while we rehearsed and did all that. And and it was a case of sort of choreographing the moves and choreographing the the camera. And and so one of the rules that we gave ourselves in the short film was the camera never leaves Stephen. It's mm-hmm. always on Stephen. And so he motivates where the camera goes. And right, it was all yeah. choreographed, obviously, but it never leaves Stephen. So with the feature, it was like, that would be amazing. And of course, we want to see Stephen Graham for 90 minutes. But we also want to explore other characters. And because he's the head chef, he can't just keep coming out of the kitchen, even though he does a few times. But if we want him to go to different rooms and different places, we need to be on outside. We can't just be mm-hmm. going with Stephen. So the rules that we gave ourselves, two rules that we gave ourselves on the feature was the camera's always motivated by an actor. And it's never allowed to just float off on its own and find an, an actor. It always has to be motivated. So crossover, actors crossing each other or you know, mm-hmm. handing a plate or whatever, whatever it was going to be. And then the second rule was that we never repeat a camera move. So even right. though even though the camera is going essentially going backwards and forwards through the restaurant, the actual movement and the the positioning of the of the lens and things like that was never repeated. Uh, Amazing twice. So so it was about Matt and I, and we drew it all out, and we, we we sort of did an animation of where the cameras were going to go, and then I would bring the actors in individually and place them where we needed them to be. But initially, it was me running around playing all the roles, and Matt just following me and go. Okay, so let's go around this side when they get to here, and then so it was it was like really mapped out before the actors came on set and then the actors I would say right you're going to be there you're going to be there you're going to be there and then when the camera comes around here you're going to come over there so it was it's like a dance you know it's like mm. it's like choreographing a dance or, or a piece of your ballet or, or play do you know what I mean so completely understand and I, I love it because I think when finding your voice as a director your first instinct is to go I love Shea Meadows I want to make Shea Meadows feel yeah. I love this I love that but it's finding how your brain works. And that was yeah. it for this. Hearing you say that I'm running around, I'm playing all of it. It's like, yeah. at that point, no one else could have stepped in and directed this because it's all in your head. No one yeah. no one knows it. It has to be you. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely key is finding those things that play to how your brain works, yeah. that you're pushing yourself, but also it's playing to the uniqueness of your brain, of your thought patterns, of all of this thing. And then yeah. that's where it all comes out. And I want to, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about the series. Yeah. I want to jump into that now because I was nervous about the series because I love the short and the film so much. Both yeah. of them Stevie sent to me early and I was like, they're the reason I now have screen sharing from my phone to my TV because he'd sent them to me, but it's only as a file. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I can't watch these on my phone. I know it's going to be a work of art. So I had to figure out all this stuff and <laughs> at that point download an extra app because I'm like, I want to watch it properly. I don't mm. just want to go, all right, cool. 
But, you know, I wanted to take it in. But I loved them both. I didn't know how it was going to translate into a series. And I've seen the first two episodes. Yeah. And I fucking adore the choices that you've made because I feel if it had been a one-shot per episode, it would have felt like a gimmick. As beautiful as it would have been and as wonderful as you would have done it, it would have felt like a gimmick. Mm. So what I saw was a beautiful homage to the one shot in the opening scene, the pre-credit scene, and then revealing to the public that it was never the one shot that made it exciting. It was the speaking over each other. It was the stepping on each other's lines. It was the hecticness. So that energy is still all there. I finished the second episode. I was was saying to Stephen Ogg, I was like, I was in awe. And then I was like, I want to see these scripts because surely so much of this has to be improvised, has to, you had to have given the actors so much control over their characters and their dialogue because there's so much. Like you couldn't be able to go, and at this point that word overlaps that. And you, it's like, no, you fucking, you're having an argument, so you have an argument. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that. And it's so beautiful. Even just said, even after the first episode, it was so beautiful to go, people are going to watch this who loved Boiling Point and thought they loved it because it's a one shot, because it's this and that. And realise they loved it because of the characters, because of the yeah. the weights, the freedom in the performances, and it was like, yeah, it's a it's a buzz, man. You, Thank you guys you, have, have, have nailed it. It's, um, it's so exciting. That means the world, man, because that was what you just said. There is exactly what we wanted to achieve with this. You know what mm. I mean? Because there was a there was a point when BBC were like, we think we should do a want a one take episode, or you know, at least do the first episode or the last episode as one take or do the whole thing as one take. Could, could we do that? And I'm like, no, because it's, we've done it and we can pay homage to it. And the, the, the idea was always to sort of open it with a one And originally mm. actually the first, cause we, we reshot that one take because we'd shot the one take on the very first day of, of the shoot. And in the script, it was four minutes. It was about four minutes long. We timed it. And when we, when we got into the edits, cause I directed the first two episodes and then we had Moonia Ackle come in and direct the, the, the mm-hmm. other two. When, while she was shooting her block and I was in the edit with my stuff, we realized, we quickly realized that the four minutes was, wasn't long enough and we'd wanted to push it further. So we actually shot that one take on the very last day of the whole production. Oh, really? And, and, and actually it was, a, it, was a, it was like organically the best choice because now all these characters and all these actors, sorry, are so close with each other. Mm. that mm-hmm. those, those sort of organic um, improv moments that we've that we put in there just became so real and so natural to their characters, you know Because I mean? that's the truth of Kitchens as well, yeah. is you do very quickly love and very genuinely love and very genuinely hate each other. Yes. Like all yeah. at once. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> all, all of the love is real, but all of the vitriol is real, is as real as anything. Yeah, and absolutely. It's a, and that all, all all comes across. And speaking of your cast, someone that jumped out to me, who I've not seen him much, was Sean Fagan. Oh, I just thought amazing. he's just astounding. I've not. Yeah. Obviously, he was in in, in malpractice, right? And yeah, and yeah, he was just amazing. But I'm a big fan of Azuka Hoyle. Yeah. Big Boys was one of my shows of the year last year, and that was the first time I was exposed to how amazing she is. Yeah. And then, as said, I sent a message as soon as I finished it to our mutual friend, Hannah Graham, because episode two, you put her to work. Yeah. Like, that's a hell of a... Everyone in it has got... It's it's a big one, but it was... Yeah, I thought, yeah. So many people... And that's not to mention Vinette and Stevie and Stephen and all of these other amazing people, but that's what's always exciting 
for, for me is going, I'm here because I'm excited about these people. Yeah. And you're going... Yeah. And again, that's another thing that I think comes across in this is these two episodes I've seen also show you that you thought you loved Boiling Point because quite rightfully you love Stephen Graham. Yeah. But actually, as you said, it's all the characters. Yeah. The, the, the fact that in the film you chose to go away from just sticking on Stevie and go off meant we've got to know all these characters and they're all so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a that was a, a choice from Stephen himself, actually, and, and all of us, you know what I mean? Obviously, the BBC, because at the end of the movie, a lot of people would come up to me and go, is he dead or alive? And I'm like, well, it's it's up to your interpretation. That was what that was the whole idea was to, yeah. to leave it open for you guys to, to figure it out yourselves or, you know, your interpretation, of course. When the BBC were like, do you think Stephen would come back? Do you think he's alive? And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 he's alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 but Stevie was like, he was well up for it. But he said, look, I want to pass the baton on to, you know, Vanette and all of these other characters and brand new characters that we want to bring in. And, you know, that's the type of person he is. And, and this is becoming the Stevie Graham Appreciation Society, hasn't it? But, <laughs> it really but, but, but rightly so, though, because yeah. he is just a, an amazing human being. But, but what we said was, we were like, and we said this to BBC, we'll create a storyline for Andy. And if you were to put all, condense all of his scenes together, it would be a beautiful short film about a guy who's, you know, recovering and, you know, mm. trying to get his life back on track. And that was what we've peppered through the series. So, you know, it was not, a, it was a challenge, I, I guess, to, you know, back and forth with the BBC because Stephen's not in it as the lead. You got Vanette, mm-hmm. who's obviously, you know, she's successful from the film and she's done some amazing TV since that, but she's not like a big, big name to lead a show. And we were just like, this is an ensemble, but, you know, we this is not a show that needs big, big names to be able to draw people to it. You know what I mean? I think it's people will... It'll either be like a word of mouth thing or, you know, if people have seen the film, they'll be interested in coming back to see what happens with these characters. Yeah. And so that was always the idea is to to sort of, to create this ensemble family that people can relate to and bringing people like Sean Fagan, who who I think is, yeah, destined for absolute greatness because mm. he's just incredible. Yeah, I think absolutely astounding. One of just, if yeah. again, it didn't feel like an actor or a character or anything. No. It was just a real thing. And it's interesting because... Not to over-intellectualise, but you do get restaurants where it's Gordon Ramsay's restaurant or whatever Mm. and the 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 chef is the lead. But you get far more restaurants where the food is the lead, is the star. And that's what this this show is. Boiling Point is the lead. The the show, the the ensemble, it's not about here's our our famous chef. Yeah. It's about here's what we're putting on your table kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it works beautifully. And I think, I think, I think, like looking, you know, I've said this to to a few people. Like, I think it feels like a second season of something because mm. because of the mm. film, you know, because people yeah. can come back to these characters again. And that was the idea to explore those characters further because you know a lot of people would come up to me and be like, "Oh my god, I really, I wish you'd have held on that moment for longer. I wish I'd have found out what was going on with that person. I wish I'd have found out, you know, you know, maybe." gone to see how they were doing a bit later on or yeah and yeah. and now we can do that you know what i mean but but at the same time i don't want it to i don't want every sort of person and storyline to be tied up in a neat little bow because that's not what life's about you know and again i like that there's no because again again i'm getting too deep into the i've worked in kitchens but i like that there's not origin stories kind of thing straight away for any of the new characters everyone's yeah. just thrown in there because that, again that's how it is you are just thrown in and yeah. there is just here's who's in there um I'm conscious of time and there's, there's so much I want to talk about, but 
one of the things I did want to talk about is your production company, essentially, because I love when people fight for years to get a seat at the table and then they smash their seat up to make their own table. (laughs) <laughs> and, and to give other people a seat at the table. I love and that. It feels like what you guys have done here. And again, I remember speaking to Stevie on on Venom 2. So j- yeah. just as him and Hannah were were talking to me about setting up Matriarch mm-hmm. and about Boiling Point and all of this. So tell me a little bit about how it all came about and, and what the production company is and what your kind of excitement is with that and drive well, there. Because again, you could just go, I've had these successes. As Stevie said, you've got your agent now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get on with it, kind of thing. But you've, you've not. You've the gone, thing, is, like, I'm not, create. I'm not part of Matriarch. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, so, yeah, yeah. So, so that's my, what they were setting up at the time. Yeah. So they, they've set up theirs, and and I, I just thought to myself, exactly what you just said there. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I, I suddenly realized that, like, all of these people that I put on a pedestal and like was scared to approach. You know, all these people at the top. They're mm. just human beings and like everyone's blagging it. You know what I mean? Everyone's Everyone has imposter syndrome, all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. I didn't set up the production company to to create more jobs for myself or to, to you know, for me, just for me to direct stuff because, you know, I, I'm getting offered stuff from, and, and I also didn't want to close close off the doors for people sending me scripts to, for from other production companies as well. Mm-hmm. So the idea for to set up the production company was to give people the opportunity, you know, that they may not have, they may not get, you know, we're, we're approachable, you know what I mean? And that's mm. what, that's the ethos is that we're approachable and we want to make things accessible for brand new directors, brand new writers um, yeah. and give them the, the opportunity to sort of get their foot in the door, you know what I mean? And I think, you know, all the projects that we do going forward, we want to to bring on people who wouldn't necessarily, you know, get that opportunity. Um, and we want to create stories that really stick with people and, you know, and take people on a journey. Personally, I think over the last couple of years, like I'm starting to find my voice, I think, and and it's real real stories, like re- realism, you know, and and that's sort of uh, the tension and the, and the sort of, you know, anxiety-inducing films and tv I oh think. we're going to be getting on to accused yeah don't worry about that <laughs> yeah. that's the ultimate tension and anxiety inducing but mate i couldn't relate more to everything you're saying there in 2011 i started up my record label yeah speech development and our slogan is we may not be for you and that's fine and oh, the point of that brilliant. was the first album we released was mine straight after that mm. we released an album by a guy called Giacomo brown mm. and it was because me and dan lasac had heard their stuff. I do have a personal connection, but me and Dan Lissac mm. had heard their stuff. And we were like, right, well, this music is amazing, but this person has no desire to play live, has no desire to do interviews, basically has no desire to be a musician as a career. Yeah. But this music is amazing. So mm. we were like, no one else w- w- would release this. Right. Originally, me and Dan were going to be getting an imprint on another label. So it was our first kind of, if we get the chance, we want to release this because... Mm. No other label will release it because marketing-wise, it's really hard to push and really hard to sell. But we yeah. were just like, but if marketing didn't exist, if we lived in a world where art was art mm. rather than a product, mm. this would be the first on people's list because it was right. amazing. And yeah. we, that was yeah. the first album we put out other than mine. And it got like a four out of five in Uncut magazine and like wow. six music rated it and stuff like that. And it was this album that just appeared and then and then disappeared because, as I said, no desire to make a career of it. It was just, yeah. I've got some songs. And that was exactly our thing. We were like, and we did numerous ones like that, that we're mm. like, this isn't like a, f- a few guys who were on an indie in America that I was a fan of. I'm like, well, no label over here is going to release their record because it's already available in America. Mm. They can't come over here and promote it easily. 
You know, yeah, they might yeah. be able to come over w- w- once a year if that, but mm. but it's like, but it's good music. And we live in a world where there's a big area of, like, I know me growing up, I couldn't afford, afford imported CDs. I couldn't afford to pay charges to get this brought in. So it's like, if I can produce it cheap in the UK and put it out so people can have it, then mm-hmm. it works. And that was the exact, again, it's that exact ethos of going, this probably wouldn't get in people's ears if yeah. we don't do something here. Yeah. And it's like, that's why we need to do it. That's, yeah. that's the only reason to have this label is to, it's yeah, amazing, to make man. that happen. It's yeah. amazing. I love that. I, I love that. And, and that, that's the thing is like me growing up as a, as a kid, you know what I mean? I, or even like when I was trying to get into the industry as an actor, I didn't feel like any anything like that was accessible. And believe me, yeah. I, I did look, like I did search for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in actual fact, it is. And, and you know, you, you don't have to have come from a privileged background or have gone to film school or, you know, any of, anything like that or gone to drama school. Try and get yourself out there and, and just get, get those opportunities. And that's what we want to sort of help create. If you've got a good voice, if you've got a voice or you've got stories to tell which are good, then we can hopefully help to, to get those off the ground. You know what I mean? If anyone's listening to this who hasn't listened to my episode I did with Jack Spring, go and listen to that because he's a big mm. inspiration to me. I said he was yeah. the youngest director in the UK. He made his first feature film at 19 and he's a working class lad and he yeah. didn't do it with any industry money. He just yeah. hustled and made it happen. And he's been helping me a, a lot with my projects because he was mm. like, working class people don't realise that even if you've got that dream, you think that it's, I'll take it to Warner Brothers yeah. and either they'll let me make it or they won't. Mm. And he's like, mm. that's one option. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's yeah. also options outside of that and outside of industry money and outside mm. of this. And it's like, yeah, that's fucking, it's an inspiration. And I love that. So t- tell people the, the the name of your pro- production company anyway, just so if there is anyone who wants to yeah, hassle it's, you. It's called, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> feel free. Honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's called It's All Made Up Productions. And yeah, yeah I mean, just, you know, like that, this is another thing as well. There's no rules, right? In this yeah. game. There's no right or wrong way of yeah. doing things. People no, think there it is. It is all made up, yeah. People think there is, and it's there's yeah. not. You find your way of doing it. Find your path and find your way. And if it works for you, fucking brilliant. Just keep doing that. I've got a good mate who I work on some scripts with sometimes because mm. he's got one of the best minds, but one of the things I drill into him is the reason some of my scripts have got hype and excitement mm. is because of the hype and excitement I'm putting in, not yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've done eight courses on script writing. I've, I've done stuff, I've learned stuff, but yeah. again... At points, my mate is so... I read his scripts and I'm like, that doesn't sound like you. That sounds like you've really reined yourself into these really strict framework. And I think all frameworks are essential to learn so that you can subvert them if you choose to or if you need to. And get that energy and excitement across. I think learn learn about Final Draft and how a script is formatted. Mm-hmm. And you know the the sort of like stage directions and all of those the different the different actions and and yeah. the dialogue learn how to do that but then just write from the the heart and and yeah. you know and just put you on a page if you're writing do you know what I mean and 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 have your voice because because that's what will stand out you'll yeah. see lots yeah. of scripts which are all very very similar and very the same the way they're written but you know when you can when you're reading a script and you can you feel like the characters are next year. <laughs> You know mm. what I mean? And, and yeah. you're, you're in that world and you can feel yourself being immersed in it. That's when it's so beautiful 
I've just got to give a quick sh- shout out because I'm a faded boy, not a final draft boy, but you know, other well, script writing programs oh, are available. A, sorry, yeah, there are. Yeah. <laughs> and there's self text as well as another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, loads yeah. of good ones. Well, again, before yeah. we start start to wrap up, I want to talk about accused because yeah, yeah. I think it's such a great, simple concept, a mm-hmm. relatable concept. Mm-hmm. It's about someone who is wrongly accused of a terrorist attack, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's looking at how we react to things, I guess. I think mm. it's commenting on s- social media. Yeah. It's commenting on everyone instantly thinking they know the full story and wanting to react immediately. Mm. How was that? Like, wh- where did that film come from? How was it to... Because again, it's essentially, it's a, a, a project of building tension and then yeah. relieving it a bit and then building more and then relieving it a bit and kind of going on that journey it's a real yeah. there's a discipline there but it's really it builds and builds and yeah how was that to, well to I make? think ultimately like and you know yes the film is about the social media culture and and being wrongly accused and what how powerful the social media and the internet is in those situations and how things can turn so quickly against someone and it suddenly becomes from being an accusation to being true mm. in, in inverted commas yeah. so you know, it's um, in terms of like the sort of tension in in, in that it, it all stems from the, the realism and, and the believability of that can happen to any of us. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it came about because James Cummings, who I co-wrote Boiling Point with, yeah. had written this script with another co-writer of his, Barnaby Bolton, who's, who's a really good friend of mine as well. Mm-hmm. And they sort of sent us the script and we were we were back and forth uh, developing it and it was something that we were going to shoot during covid to be honest because it was like a just something to do and we were going to shoot it for Perfect. quite cheap it's it's, yeah. it's literally an isolation film it's exactly. a dude essentially in a house scared exactly <laughs> exactly that and yeah. so so then we we sort of you know we got Chanel on board and we sort of went away and, and made this this film but it was it was it stems from the Boston bombings was one of the the inspirations to to, to do the film and the the sort of i've forgotten his name now but there is a documentary about him and the guy basically got wrongly accused of the bombings in boston and there was this whole online search and he ended up and the speed with which patriotism turns yeah. into violence exactly and justice turns into yeah and it, and it, and it, and it, it happened yeah. overnight the same as what happens in our film you know mm. and so it was it was about that sort of um i wanted people to sort of watch this film in their house and feel like they had to sort of close the doors. It's not a horror film, but it is sort of, it is horror. <laughs> it's horrible. Mm. Well, it's, that's what I was going to say. It is somewhere between a thriller and a horror. Because yeah. I, I do think we're in a really interesting, and this is going off on a slight tangent, I think mm. we're in a really interesting time for for horror films because mm. there's really good stuff being made that is on the side of realism horror. Yeah. So genuine threat that makes you scared and all the monster stuff and supernatural stuff. I think there's yeah. really good, interesting stuff. And this sits somewhere in that because it is that yeah. that home invasion horror kind of yeah. g- genre in a way, but it's so realism yeah. influence kind of thing. It's going, no, this is a this is a comment on society. Yeah. And society happens to be a horror at the moment. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah. like the genre is horror because the genre <laughs> yeah. of society currently is horror. Yeah. You know, I've I've had so many messages from the film because because it got released on Netflix and you know Netflix were just going to put they just put it out and they weren't going to really do any sort of press with it because it's not a Netflix original. So I just thought, oh, do you know what? It'll be on there. Maybe someone will see it. Maybe maybe they won't. But that's fine, you know. And and the next minute, it's just absolutely blown up. It's so 
it's it, say the word straight to number one. I know you're too humble. Say the word straight to number. Yeah, it did go straight to number one. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Yeah, it's it fucking did. mad, right? And, and and not only in in the UK, it went to to you know it was in the top five. I think in in all the other territories that, that it's mm. in, in on Netflix, like Canada and Australia and stuff. Yeah, and and you know they're talking about now potentially doing it as a you know. Not a remake, but yeah, a remake, sorry, in different countries because it's so relatable yeah. all over yeah. the world. Totally you know, agree. it's yes, it's set in the UK, but it's it's completely global, a global it's, issue. It's, it's, it's one of the things I really like about Netflix. And there's a lot I like about Netflix. There's a lot I question mm. about Netflix. Yeah. A lot of that is hopefully being solved at the moment with the strikes Absolutely. and the continued actions. Yeah. But the writer's strike is now over. So these. Yeah. Things like this can be talked about a bit more exactly with yourself and promoted. But I love that they're one of the first truly global companies in film and TV. Obviously, there's always been companies that r- release all over the world, but yeah. Netflix can go because they've had things like Money Heist and Squid Games become the big thing. They've got this kind of mm. all right, we can get English speaking countries to watch non English stuff, and we can get non English speaking countries to watch the English stuff. And it's yeah. this big. There's this meld. They've got such an opportunity to, and this again, I do think they're doing a good job of of, re- of realizing and actualizing that. Of going yeah. right, this is the world is the market rather than yeah. North America or England or whatever else. Yeah. It's I love that shit. But yeah, a- again, I loved it. I think it's it's fantastic. I want to know, is there, what's the, I know we moved on from Boiling Point, but what's the plan with Boiling Point? Is there, I don't know how it ends. So is there a plan for, for a, a second series or what's the? Well, yeah, I mean, there's always the hope that it will get a second series. We, mm. we, we're really, really hopeful for it and we've kind of left left it open to it but you know you never you just never know with these things it's it's all about the the numbers and the figures i, I guess you know what i mean and how, how mm. well it does that's just the the sort of bbc and the terrestrial way i guess yeah. it's all well and good getting great reviews and people saying they enjoyed it but i think you know ultimately the population need to get behind it and watch it for in order for it to get a second season but but yeah i mean we've got like a bottomless pit of ideas of what we would love to do for season two, season three, season four, you know what I mean? Mm. And and it's got the opportunity to run and run because it's essentially a workplace drama. And the thing about the hospitality world and the kitchens is staff come and go all the time. So I was going to say, you know, one of the reasons Game of Thrones is one of the great series is because you could kill people off whenever yeah. you wanted and it was this exciting thing. Again, that's kitchens. Yeah. And they did kill people. People are killed off, off constantly. People totally. go, yeah. new people come. So you can yeah. have this good turnover of fresh new characters and you can move yeah. people in and out. Again, I'd imagine they're some of the scariest shows to work on because you're relying on your wage and then you get the next series script. It's like, oh, I thought I was the lead. Turns yeah. out I'm dead, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. It could be really natural in those things, but yeah. that's that's what's exciting about it. Yeah, right? yeah. It's exciting to have those those turnovers. Oh, before we wrap things up, you mentioned earlier people who say they want to get into TV because they want to be on TV and mm. having the wrong motivations. How do you feel about reviews and viewing figures and that kind of thing? Because I don't believe they're the reason that we should be making these no. things, but I think they do. I think it's also sometimes a lie to say that you don't care about them. Because yeah. you do want people to enjoy the shit you've made. You do want, or yeah. you want people to understand it. Yeah. You want people to get what you've intended to, to, uh, uh, to do. So, yeah. for example, when the Boiling Point reviews and the Accused reviews are starting to come in and they're yeah. amazing, it must be, you know, again, it shouldn't be the priority, but it's a lie to say it's not important, right? Oh, it is. It's massively important because, it, because you know, ultimately that's the first port of call for people to go, oh, it's got, 
you know, four stars mm. it, or three, yeah. even three stars. It's got three stars. It must be, you know, good. So it's I'll check I'll check it out, yeah. you know. And so it, it is important. But, actually, you know, obviously you find it's inevitable that you're not going to look at them because people send you them on, on WhatsApp or whatever. And you're like, oh, and yeah. you're like, oh, God. But but it, it's, it's, it's incredibly nerve wracking. And I tell you what I always say it feels like to me. I've got a daughter, right? Six year old daughter. And she goes to like dance classes and stuff like that. And, you know, I think she's amazing. I think she's the best in the class. Of course I do. And then, you know, she's got, she does a show every, they do a show every year at the dance classes. And like, you go off and watch the show and like, you're watching the show with all these other parents and you're like, oh, I think she's the best. But then you like suddenly think, oh, but what if they don't think yeah, she's the best? Yeah. Oh God. Oh no. Now I've got to, now it's on show and it's like, now that, now, yeah. now we've, we've got to put it out there to the world. And I think it's great, but like, I'm very proud of it, but shit. <laughs> And again, you you realise that you've got all these... I've definitely had projects before. I've had projects that are coming out and I'm like, I can't wait. I know this is amazing. I don't yeah. care what reviews are. But I've had other projects where like, I think this is really good, but I can't yeah. tell anymore because I'm so connected to everyone involved in it yeah. that there's such a personal thing that yeah. I'm like, I'm loving every nuance because I love... Because these people mean so much to me. Is that only me? Yeah. Or is And more often than not, it comes across to everyone and it's this beautiful thing. But I've definitely had that where I'm like... yeah. I don't know if it's good or not. I think it is. I loved yeah. it. I mean, it's it's. Is it? I, I I suffer with imposter syndrome as, as as I'm sure you do, and I'm, as I'm sure most most people do in in sort of any creative job. But but like because you're putting yourself out there all the time, and yeah. you know you've got to believe in in what you're doing, and and ultimately you've got to sort of enjoy it. And I think if you're not enjoying it, then that's what you, that's the energy that you're putting out there. You know what I mean? As well. I just want to quickly give you my because. I feel I solved imposter syndrome. Oh, I've mentioned on, it once or twice on the podcast, but no, my big thing has been, because imposter syndrome is feeling I don't deserve to be here. Yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not meant to be here, right? Well, yeah. Where I'm from, I still live in the same small town I've always lived mm. with no contacts or with a fucking stutter. I'm definitely not meant to be here. So now I can just enjoy it because it's mad that I am and yeah. it's mad that I keep getting to, to do this. It's like, there was a point where I was like, no, it's no longer a doubt on if I'm meant yeah. to be here or not. I'm not. I've already exceeded what I'm meant to have done. So now, like, it's why me and Stevie hit it off because I was just, every day on set of Taboo, I've told this story a million times, but they'd rap me and I'd be like, is there right if I stay and watch? Yeah. It's like, I I'm buzzed to, to be here. I'm yeah, learning. Yeah, I'm learning yeah. off these people. It's like, I don't want to go and sit in a hotel room on my own. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I shouldn't get to be on set with Tom Hardy and Stephen Graham. So <laughs> yeah. while it's happening, I'm going to make the most of it. So, yeah. And see, so yeah, that's genuinely been my seemingly solution for imposter syndrome is long ago accepting oh no I've definitely not meant to be here mm. but I am yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking enjoy it it's like a, a buffet you weren't invited to <laughs> you, you, you're not in this stuff in your face going I'm not meant to be here you're going I'm not meant to fucking be here <laughs> how, how can this so it's, it's sw sw switching the tone of your yeah. I'm not meant to be here I think is uh, I yeah, fucking love can that can fucking help I love that. But yeah, well, I mean, to wrap things up, I know there's always, this is always a tough question for anyone in this industry, but mm. what is ahead that you can talk about publicly, if anything? Or is it just boiling point is is this? Here we yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, um, th that has been all consuming since, you know, last year, but it's, uh, I've got, the production companies, obviously, we've got a mm. bunch of things that we're working on with that. I've got something that I'm starting in January, which I can't, really say anything about just yet but that's a, that's a, a, a sort of uh, a big thing and then yeah towards the end of next year there's you know let's see where we are with boiling point season two and then again a, a few films that i'm working on but i'm just really like 
I'm just excited at the minute. It's just like I'm. I'm. I'm I was going to say, are you, are you enjoying it? Are you um, able oh, yeah, to, able yeah. to enjoy it? Because it feels like you are. And yeah. I don't think I don't think you should be in this game if you're not if you can't enjoy it. Yes, don't get me yeah. wrong. There's days when it's stressful and it's it's all consuming and it's packed. Your, your days are packed and you're knackered. But if you sit back, I uh, sit back often and go, fucking hell. And they're, again, to, to not to keep saying the same thing, but they're the people you end up working with again and again because you have also yeah. all been on set with people who feel as if they were annoyed to get the job. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm there like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, this is mad. I've worked in factories, mate. Yeah. And like, yes, we had to wait around for a long time, but look how mad this is. Right? Look where we are. I've worked in retail, in factories, in deliveries. I've done all these yeah. other jobs. It's like, no, this is good. Yeah. Like, this is the good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it. very, very, very grateful for to be where I am now. It's, um, yeah, it's just amazing. Every day is just a blessing, you know what I mean? I love it, mate. Well, this has been an absolute b- a blessing. I know we talked about it in yeah. advance, but I love when I get pitched by PR people for people who I'm like, I love and rate. And yeah. It's like, aren't we all doing well? The fact that you've yeah. got this PR person hitting me up, the fact that I'm being hit up for some reason, I'm like, I love those moments of, yeah, a look at what we're all yeah. doing. And then it was, it, was, it was amazing when they were like, oh, they want you to go on Pip's podcast. I was like, fucking right I do yeah I love him <laughs> damn right let's do it yeah well it's been a pleasure man um, yeah man and we'll too. talk soon definitely I appreciate you taking the time mate definitely mate loads of love thank you so much You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that. If you've not already watched Boiling Point, you're mad. You're mad, I swear. Go on iPlayer and watch Boiling Point. Go on Netflix and watch The Accused, or Accused, sorry, and then watch Flashback, which I'm in on Netflix. Then come over to Twitch on Thursday the 26th and watch Host with me, okay? You've got a lot of things to do, so I'm going to just end this now because you've got a lot to get done. I'll see you next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.